Michael Ray. No. Sign of the Times. Definitely not. The Batman soundtrack. Oh, Star Wars is it? Uh, no. Same coming. I like it. Ah. Sade. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Goat or Go, a comprehensive and somewhat opinionated podcast looking at the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. Welcome back, dear listeners. I am, as always, your host, Wendy Kay. And if you're new to this podcast, hello, music lovers. Glad you can join me on my magical journey through album listening and album opinionating. Today is a new day. And today, we're looking at spot number 486, which means we are diving into John Mayer's Continuum from 2006, and the return of Earth, Wind, and Fire's That's the Way of the World from 1975, and introducing, first time to the podcast, Funkadelic's Maggot Brain from 1971. So, let's just dive into this listening experience and my thoughts about these albums because you know as always if you ever want to know my thoughts and opinions you've come to the right podcast about first time listening to albums here's what rolling stone had to say about john mayer's continuum after establishing himself as a post dave matthews heartthrob john mayer grew into his soul and blues ambitions for a Subtlety-crafted album aided by eighth musician guitarists like Ben Harper and Charlie Hunter, drummer-producer Steve Jordan, and jazz trumpeter Roy Hargrove. From the smooth, high-record-tinged soul of Volters to Waiting for the World to Change, a deceptively knowing and self-aware take on generational apathy. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Interesting word choice there when it comes to apathy. Before we dive into Waiting on the World to Change and its passivity, which I'm sure people have picked up on and have roasted to the end of 2006 and back again, I want to talk about my relationship when it comes to Continuum and to John Mayer as an artist. So I've seen John Mayer live before, actually, but not when he was his own solo act, when he was working with the remaining band members who wanted to be there of the Grateful Dead when they were doing their re- (laughs) It's hard to say exactly what they are now. (laughs) Are they a reunion band? Slightly. And he's been playing with Dead and Company pretty much ever since. Um, Although sometimes he and the lead guitarist from Fish will join the Grateful Dead on their tour. Dead and Company, as I should say. And since my mom is a really big fan of The Grateful Dead, has spent a majority of her adult life listening to The Grateful Dead. (laughs) She thought it was a good idea to take me to a concert with my sister, and so we went to San Francisco when Dead & Company was there, and we had a really great time. It was really fun seeing a Grateful Dead concert, or the closest equivalent to a Grateful Dead concert I will ever get to. And, you know, everyone's just jamming along, having a good time, and smoking a lot of weed. And there's John Mayer, just up on stage, and jamming out with, you know, people he respects, and artists that I think get his vibe a little bit better than than some artists back in 2006, or even, even today. And, you know, I could tell that he was having a lot of fun. He seemed like he was just, he was just kind of like, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. It was like seeing a dog playing in a park. Like, he was just a happy golden retriever. Having said that, (laughs) 
<laughs> Having said that, I can understand why he felt very drawn to jam bands or, you know, bands of that type, because that's his style. Like, that's where he belongs, and not not in this, like, pop-centric world he started his career in. Because, I'm just gonna say, at first, before listening to Continuum, I was just like, I don't un- quite understand what the hate is with John Mayer. Like, there is so much backlash when it comes to John Mayer. So, I, I just, I wanted to get to the source, and the source seemed to be going into Continuum. If a majority of people's problems with John Mayer is waiting on the world to change becoming very popular, and your body is a wonderland becoming popular, which, by the way, is not on this album, and the oversaturation of those songs, yeah, I can, I, I would have some beef as well. Especially waiting on the world to change, which I have listened to some commentary about you know, the apathy. Unlike Rolling Stone here, which says it's the deprecative knowing and self-aware take on generational apathy, I don't see it as self-deprecating. Nor do I see it as self-aware in any way, shape, or form. Especially because that passivity is only reinforced by the song Belief on Continuum. You know, having had you know, hardcore punks screaming in my face about fucking the system and being angry with the system. You know, the passivity of waiting on the world to change and believe, I get it. I understand why those punks are fucking angry. Like, I I hate it too. I would like to believe that this song has aged, especially if it's, this is supposed to be a critique of what was happening in... Iraq during 2006. The message of waiting on the world to change is, it's not great, but I can understand where, I can understand where it's coming from, especially with the lens of apathy. That's not the only thing about this album that I know about, so I think I've actually listened to a majority of this album before because I know of waiting on the world to change, gravity, and slow dancing in a burning room. Especially slow dancing in a burning room is a brutal, brutal song. It's a brutal breakup song. And I could definitely see where the blues inspiration sort of came from. Yeah, this album, for the most part, feels kind of bitter, especially with the last song being I'm Gonna Find Another You. Like, that is... I don't know. It's not an, it's not an ugly feeling. It's not, the, uh, it's not the same, like, soul-crushing, ugly feeling that I got from Black Flag just an episode ago. But it is, it's kind of an ugly feeling. Like, I didn't know, I don't know what I did to you, John Mayer, but uh, I'm sorry I made you feel that way. I just kind of wish that for the songs that were more of a jam band, like Bold as Love, that is a jam song. And I kind of wish the rest of the album was like that. But, you know, at least I can see that seedling of an idea about him joining a band like Doug and Company, and finding his finding his place in in rock world, you know, all those all these other songs like Gravity and Waiting on the World to Change don't really work for what he is trying to accomplish. Nor does the song Heart of Life, which I don't know if it's intentional or or not, but the first thing that I thought of is Heart of Life, the Heart of Life, I should say, because there's a the in front of it. Um, so the heart of life 
sounds like all night long. Now, if anyone agrees with me, thank you. I feel validated. Um, if you don't agree with me, I want you to take just like maybe five minutes and just like listen to those two songs back to back and get back to me because I will never unsee that connection in my head. For the most part, this album is, it's a fine album. Um, if I had to rate it as an emoji, I would say it's a shrug. Like, that's, I'm apathetic to it. Much like Waiting on the World to Change, I'm apathetic to it. <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. It exists. I don't quite understand why rock that happened in 2006 and 2007. I don't know what the appeal about Dave Matthews Band is. As far as I know, the Dave Matthews Band just sort of exists as a band that happens to be a rock band. I don't even know if they're, like, are they in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Like, what what is their contribution to this world? Do people like the Dave Matthews Band? Are they the Maroon 5 of um, a generation? Please, please let me know, because it feels like Dave Matthews Band just kind of exists, but I don't understand their appeal, nor can I really picture a fan of theirs. Actually, very quick thing. I'm going to look up if Dave Matthews Band is even fucking on here. Dave? No. Matthews. Damn. Damn. That blows. If anyone's a Dave Matthews fan... Are you hurt that they're not part of the Rolling Stone list in any way, shape, or form? Or anybody who hasn't, who's not a fan of Dave Matthews, are you relieved by this news? I just wanted to know. I will say this, like, the Rolling Stone has given me, besides saying post-Dave Matthews heartthrob, I am interested in knowing a little bit more about Ben Harbour and Charlie Hunter and Steve Jordan and Roy Hargrove. Because especially being a jazz trumpeter, like, that sounds... Fantastic. So, I hope these musicians are popular in their own right, and uh, maybe I'll get to them one day. So, from John Mayer and the Shrug Emoji album, we kick it back to Earth, Wind, and Fires. That's the way of the world from 1975. So, here's what Rolling Stone had to say about Earth, Wind, and Fire, That's the Way of the World. Before he got into African thumb pianos and otherworldly philosophizing, EWF founder Maurice White was a session drummer at Chess Studios. EWF's sixth album is Make Out Music of the Gods. Is <laughs> Make Out Music of... Well... <laughs> Alright, yeah, I can see some people getting down to this album. Now, for listeners of this podcast, to get back into Earth, Wind, Fires, That's the Way of the World, or want to know my first initial thoughts about it, check out episode... 493. Upon second listen, I kind of wish that Africano was the song that ended the album, because See the Light doesn't exactly hit the same note that I kind of wished Africano did. I like how, like, Africano sort of progressed and, like, added new instrumentation, and it sort of felt like a jam, kind of jazzy session towards the end of the album, and then See the Light was like, it was okay didn't have a whole lot of thoughts at the time because it was more focused on trying to shave a guy's head at the time rather than really listening to the thing. He did really like the song Reasons, mostly because the lyrics were really funny to him. The standout song from this album is Shining Star, and I would say Reasons. 
But otherwise, like, this is just a fine kind of background, kind of. If you want to listen to this while you're shaving a dude's head, this is a great album to do that. Or or a great introduction to sort of, like, you know, disco funky music. You know, take your pick. Do whatever. So finally, we gotta talk about Funkadelic and their album Maggot Brain from 1971. Here's what Rolling Stone had to say about them. Play like your mama just died, George Clinton told guitarist Eddie Hazel. The result was Maggot Brain, 10 minutes of Hendrix-style guitar anguish. This is the heaviest rock album the P-Funk ever created, but also made room for the acoustic guitar funk of Can You Get To That? So this album is listed at number 136 in 2020 and at number 479 in 2012. An additional album, One Nation Under a Groove, with collaboration from the group Parliament, who I haven't heard about before, is at number 360 in 2012 and at 177 in 2012 and in 2003. Before I get started on this album, I want to make a very quick apology. If you haven't listened to episode 488, I'm going to go back to that, because you will probably hear me erroneously say that I think that D'Angelo's Voodoo from 2000 was inspiration for Childish Gambino, or I thought was inspiration for Childish Gambino, and I just want to correct the record and say that I was wrong, because I had not been introduced to Funkadelic before listening to D'Angelo, or before I listened to the album Awaken My Love, which I just want to take a moment here, really quickly, and say, hey, Rolling Stone, I don't know what possessed you to not include Awaken My Love onto the 500 greatest albums of all time, but I think you're missing out on a great, great edition with not including Awaken My Love. Just going to put it right out there. It is a fantastic album. Redbone as a single is a great song. And as I have said on this podcast before, if I haven't, this is the first time you're hearing it, a single does not make an album, but Redbone does define that album. Definitely a highlight, but come on. Like, not including Awaken My Love when you have both Funkadelic albums in the 500 Greatest of All Times, I think it's only natural to want to include the extension of funk music and people being inspired by funk in general. So whenever you redo your list, will you just please include Awaken My Love? Just want to put that out there. It's a great time. Moving on from that. A lot of this music really slaps. (laughs) Really hard. Especially with this song, Super Stupid. This music goes hard and it is fun. Even if the first song is kind of dark. And the song that's not the last song on this album, which, again, what is with people not ending the albums where they need to? Or if Spotify just hates people with the re-releases. But the Wars of Armageddon are also heavy because it includes sounds of protests that were probably happening during this time with what do we want freedom, what do we want now, and saying power to pussy. But the impact of how 
emotional that song is and how heavy that song gets is kind of broken up with the sounds of the cuckoo clock and cows mooing and farting. And so I don't know whose choice that was. It's really weird. And it kind of takes me out of the song as a listener. So am I supposed to find the whole situation that they're singing about comical? Or is this self-deprecating when it's talking about war and violence? Especially when it's talking about, I'm assuming, Vietnam during this time. I'm assuming it's about Vietnam. Because the album ends, When the World Explodes, which uh, is a great way of ending an album. Just saying. But those sound effects are just so out there really bizarre. So I don't know whose choice that was, but you're you're making me really think about why are they there? What's what's the what's the point? What's the message? What's the thing? But I will say that the Wars of Armageddon do have one thing, and that is more cowbell. And you know what? We can have more songs that include more cowbell. You know, cowbell I think is not a terrible thing to include on any of these. I think maybe a song will be enhanced always by a cowbell. More people should include cowbell. The other thing that I think should make a comeback is in the song Back in Our Minds. There is this bell. I described it as a bell twing thing. I don't know what what it's called. I don't know what instrumentation it is. But the sound effect for that bell twing thing If you know what I'm talking about, or, you know, need to listen to the song to understand what I'm talking about, take some time to listen to it. That is a great sound effect. I really liked it. And I think that should be in more music, because it it really makes the song a plus in my head. I really like Back in Our Minds. I guess all of these bands have some things in common, where it's a lot of the origins of, like, jazz and, like, people freestyling and you know, creating music after spending long periods of time, like, supporting one another, and then having a solo with your instrument, and then going back and just feeding into this vibe and into this creation that you're you're making. All of these kind of do that in their own interesting way. But I think, out of all of them, I think Funkadelic does a really much better job of, like, giving artists the space to create the song that they want. There's so much more fun and there's so much joy when everyone sort of comes together and creates their their sound. John Mayer only wishes he had the same jam ability as Funkadelic. This album doesn't end with the Wars of Armageddon, which is a shame, because They include two songs from the 1972 edition of the album. One of them is the song Whole Lot of B.S., which is actually, if you had to keep going with an album, especially after hearing The World and In the Wars of Armageddon, hearing some ladies sing about how that's a whole lot of B.S. um, is really, it's a great fuck you to the end of the world, which I really appreciate. But the album ends with an alternate mix of Maggot Brain. And I think I prefer the alternate mix to the actual song. Maybe just because the lyrics don't sit quite right with me. I mean, I'm supposed to be kind of creeped out by Maggot Brain and the image of a Maggot Brain. Like, 
creepy. But otherwise, like, I have no qualms about the song itself. Like, the funkiness of it are really great. So I appreciate Funkadelic for what it is. So, as we all know, and as we have come to an end of another exciting episode of someone trying to explain music to an audience that already knows music, if I had to pick an album personally that I would consider a greatest of all time, unsurprisingly, I think to anybody who has made it this far into the podcast, I have to go with Funkadelic's Maggot Brain. I'm really looking forward to hearing One Nation Under a Groove. I look forward to re-listening to this album in the future. So, with that in mind, I would say that Maggot Brain is right underneath Shakir's Donde Están Los Landros and right above Albert King, Born Under a Bad Sign. Yeah, that feels about right. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, remember to follow me and the podcast on social media. And if you want to support this channel, I have a Patreon. But thank you so much for listening. And uh, DJ, let's drop that track. Goat or Go is a podcast created and hosted by me, Wendy K. I also edit the podcast. Original artwork is by Paige A. Special thanks to the entire Rolling Stone magazine writing team. Without you, there wouldn't be this podcast. Follow the podcast on social media, Goat or Go Pod. If you want to support the show on Patreon, link is in the show notes. Thank you so much, music lovers. Keep on listening, and I'll see you next week.